0: This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, hey, today we're discussing why boundaries are good. Really good. Also, all the weird smells of parenthood. Welcome to the Girls. Podcast. Podcast. Oh, I just took it over for you.
0: Yeah, so amazing, Rachel. Isn't that
1: like the the thing of the our Dickens?
0: life? <laughs> the Dickens. Isn't that the Dickens?
1: Isn't that the Dickens? Yeah, it is. You bet.
0: Um Can I tell you something that has nothing to do with anything? Yeah. Uh so you know that. I sort of have a smelling thing.
1: Oh, man, you smell. I know that, but you also smell your socks and smell all kinds of weird things. Yes.
0: I it's hard for me not to smell stuff.
1: So it like is a fruit, gross.
0: like I just smell it before I eat it. Yeah. Um, I made the mistake as I was walking down the hall with the laundry to smell our boy's oh. bath mat.
1: Oh, no, no, no. It smells like pee.
0: It didn't actually it smelled like really medicinal, like someone had spilled bleach or something on it. They oh. didn't because it's not like stained, but it was not pleasant.
1: No, I don't know anything that smells good in their area of the house. Like, I go back there, and I just think there's something dead somewhere, but I'm not sure. I don't know where it's to even a look. It's not
0: human, and so we're fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Growing Up With Kids podcast. On we're that glad you're here. <laughs> Seriously. You know that our listeners, they have kids, and they're married. They've smelled some weird crap. Yes, and I didn't know how weird smells could get until we had kids.
0: I did because I like <laughs> to smell stuff.
1: Yeah, that's true. So um, yeah, we're glad and you're also. Here.
0: Unless this is your first episode, you know we talk about weird things like smells.
1: <laughs> also true and body we, parts
0: crying and are, the whole deal. <laughs>
1: we're not really that shy. We're pretty transparent.
0: Um, how's your week? Anything good happen?
1: Um. Well, I yeah, I had a good week. I. Uh, had some career development, <laughs> career <laughs> that, development. I was, that I was really nervous about and I passed and I was excited about that. What was even more exciting was, um, sometimes I wonder if our children actually care for us, you know, <laughs> like I wonder if this is like a one way relationship or if, or if we might be, um, if it is not unrequited, otherwise known as requited <laughs> love, <laughs> I'm feeling a little punchy anyway. I um, did this thing that I was excited about on Friday, and what was the most exciting was how um, encouraging our boys were to me. Like, they actually saw me as a human on Friday, and that felt really different. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, I do feel like it's like a linear relationship as they get older. They have more – because, like, obviously a baby – just uses you for milk and My gosh, hugging yes. and the whole deal, like, yeah. right? Like, and getting them to sleep and burping them. But, like, and then a four year old barely kind of can see that you actually are separate and have needs and maybe are a human. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fun to see as they get older that they really hear what we're talking about and what we care about and also want us to do well. Yeah. It was a little bit funny. So, you took like the statewide test that you had to pass and it was pretty intense, four hours, the whole deal. The night before, I was putting one of our kids to bed, and just the way he talked about it, he didn't really use the term pass or fail, because he's like, I hope mom doesn't lose tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like it was a soccer match. And I was like, yeah, I hope she doesn't lose oh, either. Oh,
1: sweetheart. Like, then, yeah, it's Sweet. Yeah. I think it's sweet. That, um, it's encouraging. And I think what we want our listeners to know is your kids will have empathy someday, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I think even the most unlikely characters, they have something in them that really cares for you. And that's hard to remember some days.
0: Yeah. And I think this dovetails in what we want to talk about today, which is boundaries. So we've been kind of going through this series around Uh, modeling for our kids different things like grit and perseverance. And you have the actual list, so I'm not going to pretend like I remember what we (laughs) talked about. Um, But but the last one we want to talk about is this idea of, like, how we set boundaries, why we set boundaries for our kids – and i think one of the important pieces of that is we're actually helping them see differentiation between them as an individual and us as individuals and then us as a family. Yeah. That's a skill set because again like developmentally when you are a baby you don't you don't differentiate like you just think everything is part of you mm-hmm. and that's why like You know, you can do that like peekaboo, and they close their eyes or they put their hands over there and they think you're gone because they can't see you because they don't understand permanent object permanence, right? (laughs) Right. Sort of like our dogs still today. Um, But like part of boundaries is helping them get a good developmental understanding of who they are for their own sake, but also who other people are and how they are separate.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think that one thing that we noticed so when we started this series four weeks ago. We were talking specifically about uh, siblings learning how to have conflict. So that agitation between siblings is actually a tool for peacemaking, and that's really what we're going for. And we talk about that a lot, like taking the long view and saying, okay, what we really want is for our kids to be able to leave this house and to be able to handle conflict, to be able to have empathy, to be able to see that other people um, are worth their while, to be able to draw good boundaries, all of these things um, are things that we want to develop, and in the meantime, we do we can couch that into the sibling relationship in a lot of ways, and the relationship we have with them as practice ground. So, so the way we think about these years of raising kids is that they are in practice, eighteen years of practice zone, so that when they leave this house, hopefully by eighteen, who knows? I mean, who knows?
0: Thirty three, whatever. <laughs>
1: Um but when they leave this house they have the ability to have grit they have perseverance they have an understanding of natural social consequences etc um, and so today in that couch on that couch that i just talked about <laughs> you look puzzled
0: i don't know where the couch came from well You're i mean more i of said it
1: couch
0: <laughs> On this Ottoman, I said
1: we couched a lot of this in the yeah, relationship yeah, with siblings and whatnot. So, on that couch, I think the last thing that we wanted to talk about is boundaries and allowing our kids to feel boundaries uh, within their sibling relationships, but also with us. And that's important to um, develop as they take the long view, as we think about them going out to the world.
0: Yes, which again, depending on the age of your kids, can seem like an eternity away. But be encouraged. It's going to come. Um, So I would imagine no one listening to this is like, oh, no. I didn't realize boundaries were a good thing. You know? (laughs) Like, no one's like, I I think there's a lot of junk thrown at people around helicopter parenting and these terms that get thrown out, uh, you know, and trophies for everyone. And I think that's less of a reality than a sort of narrative, if that makes sense. So I'd imagine everyone's like, yeah, boundaries are good. Uh, And so we don't have to convince people of that necessarily, although it's helpful to be reminded why they're good. It's helpful to talk through why sometimes they are hard. Because I think I, again, objectively know that boundaries are good, um, but also in the moment sometimes struggle to draw the right boundaries or even to have the discernment to know what is the right boundary. Because sometimes... um, our kids will push on something and i you know i might think actually well i really should give in cuz like sometimes they're pushing on like i just want some more time with you like i haven't seen you all week kind of thing and it's like oh like i actually want some time with you as well but sometimes the answer is no, like because there's other things going on. Because one of the boundaries that we need to draw is around our marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And having time together. And so sometimes it's like, hey, will you read another chapter with me? And it's like, no, because I haven't talked to your mother all day, and I need to go downstairs <laughs> and talk to her and hang out with her so that I can then get to bed because I have, you know, I'm a separate person who has a marriage and raising a family and has a job and all these other responsibilities, right? And it's right. okay for them to feel that, um, but. You know, I don't want to push that to the point where they're like, "Oh, I never actually hang out with dad anymore because he's got all these things going on." Right?
1: Yeah, it's always a um, a big push pull in my mind. You know, like
0: I think it's more of a pull push, but
1: <laughs> really, actually, <laughs> well, um, I think I mean, and I think that varies. Like there are sometimes I think that our kids need more boundaries. Like one particular kid might need more boundaries, and there are other times where another kid might need. Just a tremendous amount of attention or grace or more, um, less boundaries.
0: Yeah, and I would say in our family, our kids might, they fluctuate. And sometimes the child who is not communicating a need from us, so they've sort of, like, we don't have to put up a boundary because they're not kind of asking for too much. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if that doesn't necessarily mean that they want more. They're just not communicating it in that moment. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? And sometimes we can be like, oh, well, he's so independent or she's so well-mannered and I don't really need to worry about that. But like sometimes we actually do need to pursue our kids who are not asking of us. Yeah. But when you have multiple kids, uh, and especially if one of them is in a stage where they are a little bit more demanding or a little harder, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm just so glad that kid's not asking for anything. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore them. And yeah. I, Not I like,
1: ignore them. Well, you, well sort of.
0: Well, so, like, here's one way that I think about It's, like, we have a bedtime routine, but our oldest gets, like, the least attention during that time, and sometimes none. Like, sometimes I just go in and say, hey, good night. Um, And other times I will actually read with him or do things with him. And it's hard to know that balance of, like, he doesn't need me to read him a bedtime story every night. Mm -hmm. But he's at a stage where, like, a lot of really – you know this better than me because you're really good at this. Like, a lot of really good conversations happen in his room, at nine o'clock at night, when yeah. he you know he has nothing else going on, and he'll sort of let his guard down. But if we don't pursue that, it's, he's not going to be like, "Hey, I want to let my guard down and <laughs> share some intimate details of my life." Thirteen-year-old
1: right? boy isn't going to raise their hand and let yeah, you know. <laughs>
0: like that's not how it works. And so that's some of the discernment too of being like, well, sometimes our kids aren't asking for something because they don't need something, but they don't always know what they need. And in the long view, like we need to be pursuing them um, more than they need to be asking us to be pursued.
1: Yeah, right? I agree. Well, what would you say, like, when you think about drawing boundaries in our family and with our kids, like, what do those boundaries boundaries actually look like? I don't know where Wait, that Rachel. accent is. <laughs> uh,
0: well, so it's easy to think about physical boundaries and be like, yeah, I'm on board, right? Like, so we have physical boundaries when our kids are young. Don't run in the street right? We have physical boundaries when our kids are young, like don't punch your friends or your brother or your sister. Right. Because it's easy for us to see there's immediate, tangible, physical harm that could happen to them or that they could cause to someone else. And we know to stop those things and to train them up in that. So I think what we're trying to teach them as they get older, there's still some physical, you know, boundaries. And as they get up to driving and you know, you start having conversations about smoking and drinking and all those things that you do with teenagers. Like, those are physical um, boundaries. But there's also the emotional boundaries and the kind of uh, identity boundaries of, like, hey, you're a child and I'm an adult we're not the same person and we get along really well, And I'm, but we're not best friends or but we're not, you know, equals in this relationship, even though we are equals in a in broader sense. So I think um, that what we're trying to teach our kids is what their identity is and how they are part of something bigger as being part of our family. And they're also part of something bigger as being part of a church or being part of a community um, or or any things they identify, a sports team, right? Mm -hmm. But then they're also their own person with their own needs and their own sort of like uh, responsibility to kind of take care of themselves increasingly as they get older, to take care of their needs, Um, And again, that's not to ignore them, but it's to help develop them over time.
1: Yeah. And in order to do that, in order to pursue that, we have to say no. So I think even um, some basic things in our house that I think about is um, like every day right now we are doing virtual school and there are 10 million meals that we're making a day. That's what it feels like. It feels like there are a lot of snacks, there are a lot of um, lunches and I don't know, we're just, I feel like we're always making food. And I think one of those boundaries is saying, no, you can make your food. You're capable and setting them up in those really small things. Um, But I think that the boundary begins with the parents saying, no, you can do this Um, and thinking about small things to practice. And so they start to feel their confidence grow and they start to do things on their own.
0: Yeah, but we also have to set them up practically, right, to be able to execute. So it's like we need to put the bowls and the cereal low enough so that when they're like, hey, make me (laughs) breakfast, and you're like, no, you can make your own cereal, it's not like they have to climb up on top of our counter, which one of our kids still does every once in a while. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Um, So I do think we need to think through, like, okay, we want to build a boundary and some self-reliance in this area how do we set it up so that they can do it at their level and not expect them to do it at our level?
1: Well, and I think it does increase grit. Like, just thinking about the kid who's climbing on top of the counter, like, that's a good bit of grit to say, okay, my parents said, no, I'm going to figure this out. In the same way that we've said, you know, like, a kid asks for a ride to XYZ place where their friend's going to be, and we say, no, but you're welcome to figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, get your bike, get your scooter, walk, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. But but our no is really important in that to let them know that's an indicator that says, hey, you are capable of doing this on your own. Yeah. I think the other part of the boundaries is discipline. Like I think that um, especially during the really young years, you start to um, develop separation between parent and child with discipline, like with your no is followed with a consequence. So the child running into the street, there's a consequence for that. And they start to realize, oh, I've done something that I shouldn't have done, but it just starts to create this separation. And so it's really important at very young ages to develop a strong no and a, a strong understanding of I am the parent and you are the child, which I think is the baseline of what we want to talk about for the next few weeks, which is discipline. Um,
0: I don't want to talk about
1: that. I don't either. It's a hot topic. I think that when people think about discipline, and we can talk about this next week a little bit, but I think when people think about discipline, they're like, oh my gosh, to spank or not to spank? You know, like that's kind of the big question, but we kind of miss the why we're disciplining and like how that actually plays out because discipline goes beyond a spanking or sort of like a timeout or like an immediate consequence. The discipline actually comes with us developing a human who has boundaries and and. And that they are their own separate entity apart from me. Not out of a dislike or um, not wanting to be together
0: mm-hmm. or a lack
1: of friendship. But out of a pure order of saying, I am 30 years older than you and I know what I'm doing. Trust me. You don't want to go into the street. You know?
0: You wish you were only 30 years older?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know.
0: Um, so want to just highlight what you said, which is we're going to spend a couple weeks or a few weeks, um, if you're a stickler for terminology (laughs) on numbers, uh, talking about discipline, uh, and that'll be cool. So come back for that. The other thing I wanted to say um, tied to this is I think one of the challenges for us, and maybe others can relate, is we don't do well with disappointment, like disappointing (laughs) others. Yeah. And, like, your kids, most of them probably – Communicate their disappointment real clearly. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so, even going back to that idea of like some kids ask for a lot and some kids don't ask for very much. Sometimes our kids who ask for less or are in a season where they're asking for less of us, when we say no and then they get disappointed, like my heart sort of breaks. But it's really to be on, if I'm being honest, it's like this selfish, like oh, did I do something wrong? Is he going to hate me? Yeah. You know, it, did I ruin the relationship? I will say like. Our kids are going to need counseling. Like every kid does. We, You and I both done counseling. It's great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who can, can afford it should do it at some point and work through some stuff from your childhood. But the other side of that is we've said no. Our kids have been really disappointed or even angry at us. And then the next day, like things are fine. Yeah. Like they are strong. They can handle disappointment. And we are strong and we can handle them being mad at us. Like even if they're mad for a week about something – we don't have to wilt and be like, ugh, I can't handle this. Like, it's okay to let them be angry, and maybe they're right, and most likely they're not. Um, and it's okay for us to sit in that with them and be like, and show them some strength. Cause that's gonna give them strength when they're adult to be like, I can say no to other people. I don't, you know, like that's one of the big things is I think a lot of people struggle with saying no or having boundaries as adults. And so it's not just us. Saying we need boundaries for you or from you, we're actually also modeling and teaching you so that when you're an adult, you'll have boundaries so you'll actually thrive and be healthy and not feel this guilt and this like weight of always having to please others.
1: Yes, I think that what you're tapping into is not disciplining or so, <laughs> not disciplining. So, I think there are a couple ways to discipline. There's, uh, I think that there is behavior disciplining, like want to just eliminate some sort of a behavior. Yep. But then there's also fear-based discipline, which I think is um, we want to avoid. Like I think both of those things, we are, are stemming out of a fear that we're doing something wrong, that our child is going to act in, in a way that... Reflects poorly on us. It's a very selfish way to think about discipline. And I think what we want to do is shift that around and say, listen, boundaries are really good and useful. And drawing boundaries in your own home, like just regarding the sibling relationship, drawing those boundaries helps siblings see that they are allowed to have boundaries, they're allowed to say no, and it means something in your family. So that at some point when they leave this house, they will say, wait, my boundaries do mean something and they are to be respected. That's really, really honoring for yourself. And it's also really honoring for the other person. So I think that's what we're thinking about regarding boundaries in a sibling relationship. But then I think as we shift into the actual discipline conversation, we really want fearless discipline. We do not want to be responding out of fear. And I think that's true about boundaries as well.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that makes me think is that in all these decisions, as I'm processing them or looking for discernment, the question I should be asking myself is, what's the most loving response? Not necessarily the easiest response, or the response they're going to like the most, or that's going to engender sort of affection towards me in the moment, but how can I love them the best? So you know, hmm. teaching my kid not to run on the street is the most loving thing I can do in that. You're like, if, if the choices are letting them run on the street and not like, and in the same way, like sometimes the most loving thing is to be like, I can't spend more time with you right now because I need to work on my marriage, both because that's loving towards you, my wife, but it's also like all of our reserves and our energy towards leading our kids well comes out of us having, not all of them, but a large chunk of it, comes out of us having a healthy marriage, being on the same team, having space to talk about these things, being connected, and then we get to model those things to our children. And then the same thing in discipline as we get into that. It's like the most loving thing is for me to teach you right now that that's not okay, like that you're either harming yourself or you're going to harm others.
1: Man, I love that. I, I mean, I didn't expect that to come out of you today.
0: Yeah, well, that was not in our pre-notes. <laughs> pre- Every once in a yeah. while, epiphany. I'm done like, for the week.
1: Yeah, I would say that like the two things that I think we'll tackle over the next few weeks will stem out of fearless parenting and the question, how can I really love my kids the very best? And sometimes that means it sucks. Um, yeah. But uh, we want to do that fearlessly.
0: Well, on that note of sometimes things suck, why don't we go <laughs> <laughs> to the stat of the week?
1: Stat of the week. All right, Rach. Rach. Dave, what up?
0: We've been talking about boundaries. (laughs) Yes. So I got a boundary-related stat of the week for you. Awesome. Uh, But it's like a literal boundary, like national borders. Oh, good. Do you have a guess? What country do you think has the most border, like the longest borders with other countries? China. That's right. Yeah. How'd you know that?
1: I guessed. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Over 22,000 kilometers of land border across 16 different neighbors. But China does not have the longest, like, single border between two countries. Do you know which two countries do?
1: Ooh, that's a harder one. The longest border between two countries? Yeah. I'm going to say US and Canada. What? Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm (laughs) amazing. (laughs)
0: Day. <laughs> Very impressive. Eighty, almost eighty nine hundred kilometers. The Canadian U.S. border, number one. Uh, the U.S. Mexican border is number ten. It's like less than half as long. I don't. I guess because of the Gulf of Mexico and such. Yeah,
1: that makes sense.
0: Uh, number two, you have a guess on one of the countries. You won't get both of them, but it's <laughs> How not do the you U.S. Know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you will. But there's one. There's yeah. There's a couple of really big, long countries. That, no, I don't know. Uh, Russia. It has the second longest. It's Russia and Kazakhstan. 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 That's sixty eight hundred uh, kilometers right there. So man. So China makes the top four with Mongolia, Indian Bangladesh is four thousand. Russia and China. Russia and Mongolia also. Russia's got the most in the top ten. There's a big award for them. <laughs> Anyway, Yay. that's what I know about boundaries and borders, Rachel.
1: There we go. Oh. Well, it was good talking with you about boundaries this week. What we really want you to know is um boundaries are good and we look forward to the next few weeks talking about how to discipline like in order to implement some of those boundaries. Um also, if you would do us a solid and <laughs> do people say that anymore? I don't know. No, no, never. Old but,
0: people say that. <laughs>
1: Um, do us a favor. And if you like what you hear, share with a friend, um, throw us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's helpful to us to know, um, how we're doing. And if you have a question or if you want to interact with us in any way, you can tap into our Facebook page or email us directly from our website, www.growingupwithkidspodcast.com.
0: That's good. Rachel. Hey, as always, thanks for working on the farm.
1: Thank you for working on the farm. Check ya!